Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson, and Esquire. We're at the First Bank Studios here in Laurel and Hattiesburg. First time the three of us guys have been back since way before Christmas, it seems like. Yeah, you guys held down the fort. I was feeling a little bit punk last week, and it was not the brown bottle flu. I got you. (laughs) All right, now we've got lots to talk about today. Of course, a a dismal weekend for football if you're a Southern Miss fan. Oh, boy. Uh, if If you're a New Orleans Saints fan, another heartbreaking end to a really good season, and you really do have to feel for the Saint Nation as they play so well during the year, and then they get these walk-off losses in the playoff. We'll talk about all of that a little later in the show. We're going to start out with some good good news, though. We're going to talk to Scott Berry here in just a second. But first, I want to remind you about Dickey's Barbecue Pit. They're proud supporters of this show and the Eagle Athletic Program, and we appreciate uh, Justin and his gang very much. You can enjoy their delicious fall-off-the-bone ribs, hickory smoked brisket, other great foods. They cook it in-house every day. Kelly and I can attest to how good it is. And, of course, they'll cater your event no matter how big or how small. And, uh, boy, every time I talk about Dickie's Barbecue, uh, Kelly, I can almost smell it. It's so good. And the, the Super Bowl mm. is coming up. I was looking forward to a Houdat Super Bowl, but then yeah. letting Dickie's do our catering for that. They'll do it anyway, but I'm just saying right. we won't be able to cheer for Houdat's. So our thanks to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring the Eagle Hour. Look forward to our next uh, visit down there. All right, we're going to start out the show on a positive note. It is just a little over a month till college baseball season. And starts. That always feels so good to say that. And there's a lot going on at Pete Taylor Park and with Southern Miss baseball right now, in addition to uh, the start of the season. So to get an update for our listeners around the state, we brought on our favorite baseball coach, head coach Scott Berry. Coach, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you guys. Everybody doing good? Doing good, Coach. Doing good. Looking forward to the kickoff of baseball. And I got to tell you, now Saturday night, uh, Coach, Jody Lott uh, texted me a number of pictures uh, at uh, from the Pete, and it looked like from the pictures that I saw, uh, your outfield is just about laid down and uh, and the work is really progressing. So update uh, baseball fans around the state, Coach, on the progress of the new, uh, of the new work at Pete Taylor Park. Well, I'll tell you, Bob, they're really moving pretty quick. So those pictures that Jody sent you are really outdated now compared to where they are today with everything. But progress is moving very, very uh, quickly, uh, as as I was hoping it would as we approach our first day of practice and trying to get on the field and, you know, really just kind of get acclimated to that surface uh, compared to what we've been used to at Pete Taylor Park. But, uh, you know, they feel like right now, Thursday or Friday, they'll have everything glued and, and sewn in place, and and they'll start, you know, adding the, the filler in uh, that that goes in the fibers that actually stands the the carpet up and and, and secures it and and holds it and gives it that that firmness that we're going to be playing on. Now, coach, once it's done and you do start practice, how long will it take your guys? You think to uh, to get used to the new surface? 
you know, I don't think it's going to take that long, in all honesty. Obviously, I think some points that uh, are uh, our concerns are, to me, are more than anything just sliding, being able to allow for a surface that's going to require you to probably start your slide just a little bit sooner than what you would on natural dirt or clay. So, you know, we'll be doing a lot of that, just trying to get to, to where we don't slide past the bags. And I say that only because of some of the facilities that we've played at that do have the synthetic grass. That is a, uh, a concern going in, and that is a point of topic that we always talk with our guys uh, as, as we approach that game at those facilities. So it'll be no different than ours. But, you know, I think uh, learning to, to play the speed of the ball, uh, you know, from what natural grass plays, and this should mimic really – as, as close to, to a natural surface as you can get. The, the technology now and how they develop these systems, uh, they are so close to, to a natural surface. And this is the latest technology that we'll have here at Pete Taylor Park trying to mimic that. Even even with what you just said, Coach, is it reasonable to think, though, that the, that the infielders will have a little bit tougher job in adjusting to the defensive style with the new surface than the outfielders will? Well, you know, I'll tell you what it what it should do is, Kelly, it should uh, give a guy who's an average defender uh, a better chance of fielding baseballs because the ball is going to stay a lot more sure. Now, I will tell you with this technology that the green part of the grass is going to play kind of a little more bouncier than the dirt part. Uh, the dirt part, part will have uh, its, its filler will be sand and ground up olive pits and somebody might say, well, why olive pits? Well, it's, it's an organic uh, uh, surface there that will actually absorb moisture and, and kind of keep it cool. But more than anything, it will mimic the dirt and how, how a ball tends to stay down once it hits the dirt, once it comes off the grass. Well, I know, I know if you ever run out of ground-up olive pits, I know several guys at Southern Miss that have some organic materials. That they <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is. Yeah. All right, let's get in here with Coach Scott Berry. Coach, uh, we, we talked about this last week. Is it Has it been your experience uh, that, that guys run faster on turf than grass? We were thinking about your outfielders being able to cover more ground with the new surface. You know, I really don't know. I know back in 1980 when I played on uh, University of Arkansas surface, and it was um, obviously it was the old kind of like your indoor outdoor carpets you had on your porch back then. And, and Royal Stadium was the same way. You know, it played very very hard. It was it wasn't any kind of fiber like you see today. But I always had a feeling, uh, and I was not very fast, so I needed I needed every mental edge I could get in thinking <laughs> that I was fast. But I always felt like I was faster on turf than than I was natural grass. So I don't know. You know, I guess that's one of those things that we'll uh, we'll have to ask our guys as we get into it. You know, how do you feel? Do you feel like you can cover it uh, better than you do natural grass? But I, I don't really I can't answer that uh, accurately for you probably right now. They, uh, you know, I think some people were surprised when some of the pictures came out. Um, people are, were surprised that, you know, under that carpet, it, it's, it's actually concrete. And, uh, you know, the, the mound is built out of concrete, a lot of that. I, I We would assume that that carpet's pretty thick. Well, actually, it's not concrete. The mound and home plate is concrete. The rest of it is, is rock. Um, with 
with the the base layer being a 57 rock, which is a much bigger rock, and then the top layer is an 89 rock, which is a smaller rock. But what it does is, after they roll it, it, it sets up very hard. Uh, but but the only concrete that will be on that field will be under what is under the uh, the carpet there at home plate, which would be the batter's boxes, the catching area, and where the umpire will stand. And then the mound will be will come up, be concrete. And the reason for that is is because there's so much uh, standing that goes on and so much pressure in those specific areas that if it's just rock, it it, it tends to turn into a brim bed, maybe as 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 we might say, uh, where there might be a little dip and where concrete will not. So it will not affect anything where uh, you would think that area would be tough to slide on or anything like that because with the carpet, you've got the filler inside it, which will be sand and a rubber mix there at those areas. So, Coach, what are you going to do with your uh, riding lawnmower now? Are you going to have a garage sale and get rid of some of this stuff you're not going to need anymore? Well, I tell you, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to be at a place where the grounds crew did mow it, so I didn't have have to do anything there. But I know the expense what it takes to keep up those mowers and, and everything to keep up a field like you want certainly uh, just just got a lot less for sure. Yeah, what what is the maintenance in something like that? You know, you'll have to at times, especially the high traffic areas where you slide at second, uh, where you lead off at first. Those areas each day will have to be kind of raked and brought back up. At times, you're going to have to fill it back in with some with with some of that filler to bring it back up because you certainly don't want to neglect. And it's not that it doesn't come without some type of maintenance, but the maintenance is really, really reduced. Obviously, with the mound and home plate being synthetic uh, and and with that filler, there won't be any dirt, so you won't have to worry about repacking the mound with the holes there or at the uh, at, in the batter's boxes. But what well, what you will have to do is is that that filler will kind of get pushed to the side. So you'll have to kind of pull it back in those areas and at times we'll have to kind of chicken feed some some of that filler back in there and broom it out. So but there's not a lot of maintenance outside of that. There, All right, there's coach. No, there's no 6 a.m. tarp pools and those things that we've experienced in the past. Maybe you ought to make them pull that tarp every now and then just for old time's sake, Coach. What do you well, think? Well, the old guys, I can assure you, they're disappointed that there won't be any more of that. They think everybody <laughs> from here on out should have to experience that at least once in their life. Well, a great addition to our beloved baseball program, and we're really happy to, to see it happen. Coach, we're going to get you back here in the next couple of weeks and talk a little more about the, the team and the opening of season, but we wanted to get an update on the field improvements and uh, we, as always, sir, appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. All right, Coach Scott Berry, everybody. When we come back, we're going to break down oh the Armed Forces Bowl, and we're going to talk about this dismal, disappointing performance by Southern Miss football next on the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
As always, our thanks to uh, head baseball coach Scott Berry. So glad to see him get that facility that he wants uh, redone here in Hattiesburg. going to be a great baseball season, and they're going to be exciting to see the new uh, turf at the Pete. This segment is sponsored by our good buddies at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net, who I'm happy to say officially renewed their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour for a full year this morning, and we're very glad to have them back. Well, you know, you can get your textbooks and things there, too. So it's, it's kind of a one-stop shop. If you're a student looking to get yourself lined up academically, they've got all the textbooks there as well. If you're a fan, whether it be rabid or um, casual, you know, they've got can can hook you up there too with everything that no you question. need. We appreciate Campus Bookmart. If you're not in the area and you want to buy you some cool Southern Miss swag, just go to campusbookmartmart.net. Okay, so at the end of the first quarter, things looked good for Southern Miss and the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. It was thirteen to nothing. At halftime, it was thirteen to six. So you think, well, the Golden Eagles are in this one. And then they laid what may be the biggest egg in the last three years as they give up 24 unanswered points in the third quarter and suffer a dismal 30-13 to defeat to a 6-6 six and six two-lane team. We're going to go around the horn first. Uh, I'll just give you my quick take. This is, not, this is a team that has not shown the ability to run the football, Kelly Santer has not shown the ability of coaching staff to make adjustments to the opposition. I think that was on full display Saturday afternoon. This was a very disappointing season for a program now in the, what, third, fourth year? Fourth year of this regime. I think all you said was, was true, Bob. Uh, in, the, in the four losses, Southern Miss's last four losses, the second half has been especially perplexing because in the last four losses that Southern Miss suffered, the Eagles scored, and I don't remember the opponents, but they scored zero points in two of those four games in the second half. One game they scored three points in the second half. In the fourth game they scored seven points. So in four second halves of their last four losses, they've scored ten points in the second half. So that, that, that's concerning. And when you, look at, when you look at the overall win-loss record, okay, of 28-22 the past four seasons, 12 of those 28 wins, so that's almost half, okay, almost half of the 28 wins, four have come against UTEP, four have come against Rice, the others have been against Savannah State, Southern of Baton Rouge, Jackson State, and Alcorn State. That's 12 of 28 wins. So if you take those away, the team the past four years has been 16 and 22. Luke? Game, uh, just uh, extremely disappointing. No second-half adjustments. It was Nassie Bunch played pretty well in the first half, and then Tulane realized, wow, we can throw the ball on these guys. And uh, that's what Justin McMillan did. What I thought they would do in the first half, they did in the second half. They put us in situations where uh, McMillan could run or throw. Well, we did a pretty good job shutting down the run, and, that, and that's what we had to do to go into the game. And But what we did when we shut down the run, we opened up their passing game, and they threw the ball uh, really all over us. And I, I was trying to get a breakdown of how many yards we had in the uh, in the second half. Really couldn't get that, but... 
you look at Jack going down early, so Watley is brought in, and and I thought really the 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 point that broke our backs was when Tate threw the first interception, was rolling to his right, threw it back across the middle, and uh, gave Tulane the short field. I, I felt like that's where um, that that was probably the, the last go for us. I didn't like how we went conservative after we were down. We just uh, went back to the running game. The only really positive I thought Travinsky Mosley looked healthy. Uh, of course, Quez Watkins had a good day, but uh, as you saw this weekend, he has declared to go pro. Um, overall, uh, just to echo and add to what Kelly says, when you look at the 2019 football schedule, the only team I think that we beat that had a winning record was UAB. That's, right. That's really troubling. That's really, really, really troubling um, that you end the season on three straight losses and um, you, you just don't beat anybody with a, with well, a winning record. Let me put that in perspective. Ab- Abraham is is back, uh, but, man, you lose some, some guys on both sides. Well, you're right. You were right. Six wins against Division One schools. UAB the only school with a winning record. A combined record of those six schools is 26-48. and 48. One is a one-win team. One was a three-win team. Two four-win teams. A five-win team. And again, UAB the only school with a winning record at nine and five. But you know, and, and everything that you guys have just said is true. But but when I was stopped over the weekend, if people, you know, Eagle fans who saw the game and so on, I had three different people say, "Why, when you're down three possessions with six minutes or four minutes left in the game, something like that, you're down three scores, you need the ball three times, you punt on fourth fourth down with like." Four minutes left to go, and you're down three scores. I mean, wouldn't it? I've never coached a college football game in my life, okay? I'm, but I'm just saying, strategy wise, if you're down by three scores, don't you have to go for it on fourth yeah. down? Here, here are three glaring stats to me, guys. Luke, I'll get you to comment on this uh, 50, 58 yards rushing, 10 penalties for 82 yards. Time of possession. The Golden Eagles had a 10 minute to four minute advantage in the first quarter. Uh, end up. 26 minutes of possession to 34 minutes of possession by Tulane. From the first quarter on, Luke, it was – and Tulane's a 6-6 six and six ball team. It looked like a Division One school against a 1-2A school almost. It just uh, – it was stunning I mean, to me I, how badly they got beat the last three quarters of the game. I don't know if I would say that. And the reason for it is – the. We came up with three big stops on defense. In the second quarter, I think Tulane was inside our 20-yard line twice. We held them to two field goals. We did the same thing in the third quarter when they took the lead 16-13. to Defensively, if you take away three big passes, I know you can't have any big passes, but the defense played well. I mean, I was encouraged, especially in the first half, how how good the defense was playing. Uh it, it changed the ball game. I think every no one was was uh, everybody. I think was thinking that Tate Watley would play a little better than what he did. And I think some Eagle fans at halftime uh, wanted to see what Tate would do in the second half. Um, you, you lose your starting uh, quarterback. Um, yeah, the the whole game changed, um, and and it was. But it goes back to this adjustments. We made no adjustments, and it seemed as if, especially on offense, the later in the game it got, the less inspired they were to play, and that's really what disappointed me the most. All right, so let's do this, guys. Let's go back around the horn. We'll go to Luke, then Kelly. Where is this Southern Miss football program today, Luke Johnson, as we discuss this bowl game? From a fan perspective, uh, you, you're – 
pretty frustrated. Um, from a perception going into the offseason, you're pretty frustrated. You're, you're happy for some of the guys you got coming in, but the average fan really doesn't look at the recruiting. He wants to see what's on the field. And so a lot of the the positive momentum we got from signing guys like Frank Gore Jr. and some of the JUCO guys got swallowed up with a pretty dismal bowl performance. Uh, overall, I don't really know. And the reason I'm saying that is uh, I don't know where we are off-season adjustment-wise. <laughs> I guess that's the word of the day for me is adjustments. Um, but it's pretty tough and it's pretty frustrating to be an Eagle this morning. Kelly? When people talk about the Eagles need to be in the AAC, well, Tulane is. And Tulane is a middle-of-the-pack AAC team. And the Eagles got manhandled. All right? So my question today is, is are you still saying that, Eagle fans? Do they belong in the AAC? What, what would Southern Miss bring to the table to the AAC if they got manhandled by a middle-of-the-road team? The last four years, in no particular order, football team's record has been 7-6, and 8-5, and 6-5, and 7-6. and six. Is, is there improvement there? Wow. I, I mean, th- those numbers are all... So the marketing department has a very difficult job in the offseason to try to light a fire under a fan base to try to get motivated to buy season tickets for a team that's been just slightly above 500 the last four years in a row. All right. Uh, well, in, in the four years of J-Hops and the Golden Eagles have finished in the Western Division, the Western Division of Conference USA, third, second, fourth, and third. So it's hard to, it's, it's hard to put your finger on progress. I mean, I, I don't want to just sound like Debbie Downer, but it's just hard to put your finger on progress. And, and on that, uh, we talked about you take away those wins against Savannah State, Southern, UTEP, Rice, Jackson State, and Alcorn State would take the team's overall record to 16-22. and 22. But to be fair, of those 22 losses, you know, a lot of, them were the, a lot of those 22 losses were against SEC teams, you know, Mississippi State, um, you know, Florida State. Uh, not in the SEC, but I mean, you know, Alabama, obviously. So, um, so if we're going to talk about you know that side of the ledger, we need to talk about some of those losses too. Against you know, One, it, I, I guess, I guess what's so frustrating for people is as good as this staff is to recruit, because this is this on this is his fourth recruiting class, third recruiting class. This, that's the guys on the field. Man, what kind of talent we had on the field, and man, how some of that talent underperformed or uh, the adjustments weren't there for him. I think I think that the talent was there. That is what's so frustrating about this team. Lots of people felt this was a nine, maybe ten win team, and the pieces just didn't come together. All right, when we come back, we're going to get the perspective of Lee Roberts, but we want to save some time in the next segment as well because we do want to talk about Another beloved team in Mississippi, the New Orleans Saints, as my wife so aptly described yesterday, Mississippi's adopted NFL football team, and they go down in heartbreaking fashion again. We're going to talk about that as well. Eagle Hour continues. Hope you'll stick around. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Monday, fourth or third segment, I should say, of the Eagle Hour, brought to us by Fourth Street. 
Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, a place uh, where you can catch all the road games for the Eagles. And if you're going to pregame for a basketball game or in a couple months we'll be pregaming for baseball games, that's where you need to go, 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's Monday, so uh, to recap not only the bowl game but the 2019 Football season, joining us every Monday, the old quarterback himself, Lee Roberts. I, Lee, I didn't, I wasn't stating that uh, you're old now, but you did play about 20 years ago, so that's where OLD came from. How you doing, man? Happy New Year to you. Hey, Happy New Year to you as well, man. Hope you guys are doing well. But and I will go ahead and say yes, old, and I'm feeling it every day. So you said it right. That's the first a, kind time. of a rude way to treat our guest, I think, to call him old. But well, hey, just to make you feel a little a little chipper, Lee, we had a pink on last week, and I went back and watched the '97 Liberty Bowl tape and that play action 31 yard bomb you threw to Sherrod Gideon. It was a very, very, very good throw. So maybe that'll spring some youth back into you on this uh, January um, the the sixth. So let, let's let's recap first um, Saturday, uh, man. Just give me uh, your your hot take on uh, what happened in the first quarter and then what happened the rest of the game? Well, you know, just kind of the, the the week leading up to the bowl, you know, having a chance to talk to some of the coaches, talk about just their preparation and how different they felt like the kids were approaching this bowl game. And I mean, as opposed to the rest of the season, I mean, they were able to be healthy. They got some guys back. You know, obviously there were a few guys that, that did not play due to uh, various reasons, but you know, I say all that to say this. The coaching staff felt like it was one of the better weeks of practice, the week of the bowl, that, that they had had and they had seen their kids do. And so when they started out as fast as we did play and as good as we started, I was thinking, hey, this is what we've been looking for all along. And, you know, jumped out to a 13 nothing lead just as everybody saw. And then that was kind of the – that was it as far as scoring goes. So it was really the tale of the first quarter compared to the other three quarters and – you know, again, I, I don't think Tulane really changed things a whole lot to get us, you know, kind of off our mojo. It seems like once we had that first three and out and then a couple penalties kind of kind of hurt us here and there, and then DeMichael Harris, you know, goes out, I felt like it started to spiral downward offensively when DeMichael Harris left the game. And, you know, talking to Coach Hobson postgame, he said that a lot of our offense was based around that Michael Harris in the game and what he can do. And obviously, Trent, uh, Travinsky Mosley was back. So, DeMichael was going to play some slots, some running back, and so a lot trying to get him involved. And then the end of the second quarter, when Jack Abraham goes down and doesn't able to return after after the half, it, it really put a, a damper on your offense. And so now you've got your, your starting tailback, your starting quarterback out starting the second half, and really not a whole lot of production uh, able to happen there. And then defensively, I thought they, thought they played hard we knew going in, Tulane was going to be a very, very physical football team up front on both sides. Did an extremely good job, and then I thought their quarterback really managed the game well and uh, played effectively. And, and his big three touchdown passes were uh, were huge. Lee, um, I, I guess positive wise, uh, there really wasn't much after the first quarter. And and I guess this goes to the whole season, and, and I know you, man, you're like me, and, and we try to, to see the best in it, but it's just the, the adjustments. Like, that's what's so frustrating on Monday, and you know, frustrating. That's the kind of the word I've heard from really everybody I, that I've talked to, and whether they were trying to nitpick or whether Monday morning quarterback or just trying to be honest, just the adjustments weren't there in the second half. You know, and, and offensively, like I said, we just we couldn't – 
get things going. Quarterback-wise, I mean, Jack was running for his life. Um, you know, Tate ended up having to run several times and then throwing a couple picks. So, so that doesn't help. But I knew going in, the turnover ratio was going to be a big, big factor. If we could get some takeaways and not turn them all over, that'd be a, a big plus. Defensively, I felt like, like I said, I felt like their their quarterback, McMillan, really, really did a pretty good job man- managing the game. You know, so as far as adjustments there, we we did get to him some, and we had a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. You know, when you're not playing, when you're playing without your your starting best cornerback and your starting middle linebacker, again that that doesn't help things either. But you know, I felt like uh, defensively we did do some things that were good. Obviously, didn't let them score the first quarter, didn't let them score the the last quarter, but that third quarter was was pretty uh, pretty horrendous as far as the scoreboard goes. So. I mean, there are some positives to take out. I know coaches probably are scratching their head, you know, today as they did yesterday and just still trying to figure out, hey, what, what could we have done differently? And like I said, when when you're playing without some stars on offense, defense, and then you lose two stars in the middle of the game, that hurts. What was the extent of the injury that uh, Abraham suffered, Lee? So they told us it was a bruised shoulder. Um, and I, I think he came out, start the second half, tried to throw some on the sideline, and obviously just couldn't go. And, and you and I know what a competitor Jack Abraham is, and knowing that you know he can't go out and finish the game that he started, it, he must have been pretty hurt. I don't think it's going to be an injury that will prolong for a long, long time. Not sure really the extent, but it was a bruised shoulder, so obviously really it, it affected his throwing pattern, and you know therefore they felt like Tate was the, the one to go with. Lee, I'm not saying that you're old, but I remember when you played there was a Southern Miss fan that said that your your style of play reminded him a lot of Y.A. Tittle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee. I don't know why. I don't know why they're taking their frustration out on you today. Uh, it's all right, man. That's what I'm here. I've got I've got some good ears. I'm a good listener. I got a, a, a big heart. I can take it. Now, Pink did tell us last week if you'd have just thrown the ball more to him, he could have probably had 150 receptions. Oh, no, wait a minute. When you guys said Pink, I thought you were talking about the singer. No, I was no, saying no. We were talking Todd Pinkston. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm a big well, fan of hers now. Well, I'll say this. I was very fortunate, whether it was Todd Pinkston or Sherrod Gideon or, or Eddie Shaw. I mean, no I, had, I had three three very good wide receivers. No kidding, and, uh, that's a pretty good group, isn't it, Lee? Yeah, no, it was. So, so Todd, if you if you uh, if this word gets back to you, man, I tried to get it to you as much as I could. So I was pretty good as well as was Eddie Shaw. So a so, pretty good trio. So really, we've got a scoop on the Eagle Hour today. Lee Roberts is in as much saying that he really stunk as a quarterback, and it was his wide receivers. That... <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take it, man. I'll take it, man. I just you, you got. Well, receivers make a quarterback very good, and so I had three good ones. So. Well, Lee, we'll, we'll we'll take you any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Buddy. Yeah, no question. And look, man, Lee, Lee Pink, Pink really did say though. Uh, I asked him, you know, when when you let him hang out to dry a little bit, and he took shots across the middle. He's like, I would never come back to the huddle and say anything to a quarterback. He did so you say can know that, that Pink's yeah, got did, your back. He said on that. you'd have never done that to him two times in a row. He did say. Well, that I'll as say well. this. You know, I'll say this. If they came back, it wasn't saying anything negative. It was basically saying, hey, I'm going to be open. Get it to me. And a lot of times that was that was Sherrod Gideon saying that. 
Right. Well, no doubt about that. You you were surrounded by talent, and you were awfully talented quarterback yourself. Hey, listen, man, we want to thank you for uh, all the time you give us every fall and put up with us. And uh, I apologize for my co-host being so rough on you today, but I think it's out of love, Lee. I think we all have great love and respect for you. Well, why he tittles the Hall of Famer. I'm going to take it that way. Right. I'm going to take it as, as a lot of love. So. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks so much, Lee. We appreciate you, man. Hey, happy New Year. Appreciate you all guys. All right. Lee Roberts, everybody. We do appreciate his contribution and, and as you know those of you that listen to the program it's it's not always easy to be in lee's shoes no you know because no. it's it's sometimes you gotta you gotta take the bullets i wish you know? he was in his cleats right now with three years of eligibility <laughs> is what i wish all right we've got two minutes left in this segment we'll carry this over to the next segment but look i gotta get your thoughts i didn't i didn't call you or communicate with you yesterday because i have been in that seat so many times, and I know how heartbreaking sometimes football can be. Tough day for the New Orleans Saints nation yesterday. Well, just to kind of continue this entire narrative for this own show, I've been a Cubs, Saints, and Southern Miss fan for the great majority of my life. So yesterday was uh, pretty much par for the course emotionally. Um, Yeah, uh, can I just come out and say that it doesn't, it didn't really matter what happened on the last play of the game in my mind because we didn't really deserve to win the game. Right. But it just speaks volumes of how talented this Saints game is, Saints team is. You can play probably other than Atlanta, the worst game that you played all year, and still have an opportunity to win the game. Uh, you miss a field goal, you turn the ball over going down the field, uh, you have the ball at the 50-yard line with a minute 20 left and a timeout, you leave a timeout on the field, you play for a field goal. Um, you have two return defensive touchdowns called back, and uh, both were, were good calls. And uh, and then to top it off, you know, you get you lose uh, the last play of the game on a questionable pass interference call. It's just life as a Saints fan, guys. I was just, just happy to be there. You know, I, I heard uh, – uh quick comment after the game yesterday they asked uh, Deuce McAllister has the Super Bowl window closed? I thought that was a fascinating question. 30 seconds left before the break, Luke. Has the has the window closed for the Saints? To quote Deuce, um, it's not getting any bigger. Right. So it's closing, right, right. closing, closing fast. You're dealing with new, you're dealing with Kamara's contract coming up. What's going to happen with Cam Jordan? What's going to happen with Breeze? Um, Demario or uh, Demario Davis has played his way into a monster defensive contract. Um, it was supposed to be this year. It was supposed to be this year. Yeah. Well, you know why NFL referees can't play golf? Because they don't know the rules from a hole in the ground. There we go. That was the narrative of this whole NFL season. Right. Don't get me started, buddy. When we get when we come back, I'm telling you, it was we'll, offensive. We'll talk about that. That's a Bengal fan he in the background. He extended his hand uh, clearly. You could see it. When we come every back, replay. cut his mic, please. We when, when we come back, ripped off. We will continue our conversation about the NFL and also update you on basketball. Some mixed news there. Eagle Hour Wait, continues. Don't turn my mic off. <laughs> Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Also online, ToyotaHattiesburg.com. Great selection. You can look at all their new 
pre-owned and certified inventory on toyotahattiesburg.com or call them up 601-255-4510 toyota of hattiesburg proud sponsor of the eagle hour luke bob and kelly from the first bank studios in hattiesburg and beautiful downtown laurel just some quick basketball news golden eagle men uh, fall to zero and two in conference usa play they drop game two of the doubleheader against louisiana tech saturday 78 to 50 gabe watson paced the golden eagles with 18 points tyler stevenson also chipped in 14 points and 11 rebounds. Men on the road this week for a Thursday night contest out in El Paso against UTEP and then San Antonio on Saturday against UTSA. Ladies, on the other hand, out to a really hot 9-3 and three, uh, overall record. They win their conference opener against Louisiana Tech this past Saturday, 66-60 to 60 over the Lady Bulldogs. For uh, Southern Miss, a good, nice showing. Shante Hales, 13 points. Respect Leapheart, 15 points, and a double-double also with 11 rebounds. Lady Eagles look to improve to 2-0 this coming Thursday. They take on UTEP at home, and then Saturday, UTSA at home as well. Um, Back to uh, the Saints, guys. Um, Kelly, uh, that was a pretty good performance. You should have been at the Golden Globes. I I don't even know. I don't even know why they why they use instant replay. Why do we even have it anymore? If you're not if you're not going to use it, I mean, it it was this whole fourth segment. I mean, minus the accent, you can do your best Bobby Abear impression. Do we have? That's what it sounded like. Best actor award. Even 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 the defender for the Saints immediately looked at the referee. (laughs) It was doing that. He got pushed off. You would have better officiating playing a sandlot game. You got players respect each other one enough that they'll call fouls on each other. You're killing me. I I played my violin, but I'm sending it up to get tuned. I want to I want to bring this up real quickly before we get too carried away. We had a caller during the show, and he brings up a fascinating point. And I'm gonna get your take on this, Kelly Santer. The caller reminded us that that uh, Jay Hobson had hired Art Bryles as the offensive coordinator, hired according to the caller, and it was overruled by the university president. And the question was, how different would 2019 have been, Kelly Santer? If Art Bryles had been the offensive coordinator, well, I wish I could look into a magic, you know, the magic eight ball and and find. I, I don't know, but and I think and I think the the caller was trying to say, look, if 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 anybody is trying to put all this responsibility or whatever on solely and squarely on Jay Hobson's shoulders, the caller felt that that God. Dr. Bennett, Dr. Rodney Bennett, had some, you know, has to take some. Uh, responsibility in this as well. I th- okay. That's the point right. he was so trying we'll to make. thank the guy for calling. We appreciate the, that input. Yeah. All right, guys, real quickly before we run out of time. Luke Johnson, if I'd have, if I'd have gone to a bookie at the start of the year and bet $1,000 on the fact that New Orleans and New England would be out of the playoffs in the first round, I'd have made a lot of money, wouldn't I? Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, the Saints not surprising me at all just because of the track record of my life. Um, but, yeah, the, the Patriots um, at the first part of the season because of how dominant they looked. Um, but how great was it to not only see the Patriots get beat, but how awesome was it to see Mike Vrabel, Belichick, Belichick with five minutes to go in he the game. He did do it that. Was, yes, he did do that. It was, it was amazing and, to watch. And it was a game at New England. The Patriots lost on their home field. And so to take you to America's response, we open up our phone line. <laughs> 
The Patriots are gone. See you, Tom. So much hatred comes out of Cincinnati. Go home. It's just, it's go, just amazing. Go so home to your hatred. supermodel wife. So much hatred out of the Bengal clan. They lost on their home field, too. I love it. I think it. that's just Kelly, though. I mean, I right. who's left, Luke, that you hey, really I'll tell like? you what, man. You better you better watch the Titans. They're pretty good. Derrick yeah. Henry is a load, and Ryan Tannehill has found a career resurrection. Uh, that kid plays tailback for ten- Tennessee was fantastic. I think he it's fantastic. I think it's going to be another. Even though one of the Harbaugh's is gone, I think it's going to be a, a Baltimore San Francisco Super Bowl rematch. Shaping up like that right now, I would say yes. But although the way Minnesota played yesterday, played really well, and all the and we're kind of jo- joking about the offensive pass interference, but good for the good for the Vikings. Nobody gave them a chance in the world to win that game. So I'm I mean if he. I'm pulling for the Vikings. Heck, Old man. school football. We're going to run the football down hey. your throat. We're going to pressure your quarterback and see how good he is. Right. You've you've still got some Southern Miss guys in there. Obviously, two guys on the 49ers, Nick and uh, Tavarius Moore. Chris Clark's playing for the Texans. Yeah. So there's still some Southern Miss guys in there. And and I thought, man, I wanted the Bills to win. But um, I did too. You know, it's always good to see J.J. Watt win for sure. And Deshaun Jackson. Not not Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Watson. Watson. Quarterback for Houston. A magical player. Yeah, he's good. Man. A magical player. All right, that wraps it up. Thank goodness we're through talking football. Did no I, more bowl games. Did I tell you the Patriots are, uh, are, are let's, gone? Let's move on. Less than four weeks, <laughs> less than five weeks till baseball. Let's hear it. Five okay. weeks till baseball. What do you say? Yes, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Southern Miss. We hope. To, <laughs> to the, the top. top. Got a little out of control. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.